This is a video on why both male circumcision and female circumcision are haram or forbidden in Islam. Shalom. The second mitzvah according to Maimonides is the mitzvah of circumcision. It's based on Genesis chapter 17 verse 10. Every male among you shall be circumcised. Inshallah, I will show proof from both the Quran or Quran and the Hadith or Sunnah that circumcision is haram. Unless you get circumcised, you cannot get saved. Uh, circumcision must take place early on the eighth day as possible. If there's any medical problem, you can postpone the circumcision, but otherwise it has to be on the eighth day. Uthman ibn Abil Aus was invited to a circumcision, but he declined the invitation. When asked why, he answered, In the days of Muhammad, peace be upon him, we didn't practice circumcision, and we didn't attend it either. Chinuch uh, has a different view. He says this mitzvah is on the organ of procreation that you achieve closer perfection to God. Now, if this was true, he says, then why wasn't every human being born uncircumcised? Show that perfection is not something that comes ready-made. We have to work for it. I used to let my foreskin drop into the pool, and all of the neighborhood kids would take turns filling it up like a water balloon. And I'll tell you what, we had less crime and less weird sex stuff back then. So you tell me what that means. Because honestly, I have no idea what it means. But God bless you, and God bless this beautiful country. We are all going to make it. It is going to be okay. like uh no russians but no foreskins Remember, uh true no foreskins or, or no you know no moils i don't know how fast you can well, join but i figured i'd go into it real quick <laughs> on the acupuncture front oh yeah. yeah how'd that go you got that you just got back from that i just got needled out um you didn't really feel it because the needles are pretty fine except a couple times when i got i didn't pinched, feel it at all Oh, you, you did it? No, I mean, when you went. Oh, yeah. I, we, we put the needle and went dick to dick. <laughs> That's how you become truly spiritually intertwined. Oh, you know, speaking of, I bet you could use acupuncture, pull the foreskin out a little bit, and then pin it down and leave it there for a while. You know what I mean? That yeah. that actually might be good. Yeah, just help make idea. your dick look like Pinhead from Hellraiser. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is the ultimate goal, obviously. Yeah, pinned for her pleasure. Um, so yeah, I, I got stuck with me. I don't know how many needles there were, but there weren't a whole lot. I think she's pretty good at, about like putting, putting them in, I guess. I don't know. I was kind of like zoned out, but there was one she, she put, put one like right your, by my eye. In your butthole. Yeah. And it came out my mouth. It was a really long needle. Um, <laughs> Um, there was one right next to my eye that I kept seeing. So I was like, I'll just try to ignore this. Um, it didn't really hurt though, but Hmm. for a while, I think I laid for about an hour for about 40 minutes for about 30 minutes or 20 minutes. Maybe I was like trying to get comfortable. I was just like, you know, hyperactive thoughts. It's like, I couldn't like lay there comfortably in silence. I started feeling, I mean, who the fuck knows what's placebo and what's not. So I'm just going with it. Mm-hmm. I started feeling really warm and then I'd move around a little bit and I'd feel the needles and I'd get like this really warm sensation, which was kind of interesting. Huh. Towards towards the end of it, I started relaxing more like physically and like, and I, this is going to sound insane. I think I was semi lucid dreaming. It was wow. very surreal. 
weird. Like I, f- I felt like I coming. I was felt like I was coming. It's like when you're on that um, I'm, I'm liminal. Coming. I'm always coming. I'm coming. <laughs> it's like that uh, space, like where um, you're about to fall asleep, and like you have a thought, and then it bleeds into a pseudo dream thought. So yeah. that just kept happening. It was pretty good. Wow. Hello. Hey, Ron, can you hear us? Uh, it looks like you're mute on your side. Yeah. Let me see if I can see anything here. There's always some technical issue with this yeah. stupid app. Man, I love those paintings. I know. It says your microphone is SPDIF slash ADAT. I don't know if that means anything to you. Um, hmm. This is see. This is this is big circumcision. Trying to keep trying to keep the truth out there. You know, trying to block the truth. We're immediately being censored by the powers wow. that be. They're really they're <laughs> circumcising our podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'll show them. <laughs> Dang. I'm gonna. If you remember, uh, you ever see the cover art to the God Emperor, the Fourth Dune book? That kind of looks like an uncircumcised dick. That's oh, you're right. Cool. Yeah, it does. Mm, kind of. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if Frank Herbert was alluding to something. Probably. Probably, yeah. The real spices. Yeah, he had a lot to say. Foreskins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> used for, uh, yeah, they used, they used the foreskins for, uh, what's that, like uh, gene seed manipulate? What's it called? Stem cells? They rub them on uh, other people's faces. Yeah. In Dune or in oh. real life? Uh, no, in real life. Okay, sure, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, just. Uh, well, we, we've stopped. Everyone stop. Hmm. There's a chat if you want to type into the chat. Isn't there a chat? We can yeah, there's a chat on the right if you want to. Shoot over a message. But it looks like the, it looks like the mute switch is toggled on. Oh, the, it does oh, look like it. Yeah. Oh, maybe he's fixing it. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll kind of give it a go. No worries. Uh, it says no switching mic settings while recording. Recording then. Got it. The show for a couple, uh, I guess, over a year now, and it, we still have problems every single time. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's part of the charm. Yeah. But uh, welcome, Ron. It's good to have hey. you on. Cheers. Uh, who knew you were going to need me to communicate again before five o'clock? I just saw that message. You know, what's your email? Oh no, you're you're all good. I, it's it's Sorry. a it's a dummy. It's an alternate Reddit account. I don't check it or get notifications. So I just wanted to make sure that you got the message. Yeah. Let me do this. But all good. How how you yeah. doing? How you doing, my friend? I'm very vain, so everything has to be just right. Oh, I feel that. Yeah, I'm staring at myself constantly on the mic during these recordings. Exactly. Now, how do I? Exactly. If I if I don't get rid of this, I'm going to stare at me regardless. So I don't like that. No, no it's, it's all fine. Yeah. Is there really just put me in the middle up by the camera so it looks like I'm looking at you guys? Um, this so the, the video won't actually be used for anything. It's just the audio. The video is just for. So us it's only going to drive you crazy. That's fine though. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. yeah. No worries. So yeah, thanks thanks for thanks for joining us. Uh, I feel like uh, I feel like we've got a celebrity on the show. Well, I do have an IMDb page. Do you really? Is that from oh, the John Wilson show? I've had it since two thousand. I don't know. I mean, the oldest uh, credit on there is from two thousand six. Okay. Were you were you were you in something? So I've been in I think five different documentaries mm. as himself. As himself, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what what was the first? What was the first documentary you did? Uh, the first such documentary was uh, called Cut, Slicing Through the Myths of Circumcision, made by an Orthodox Jew named Eli Ungar, who I am still friends with today. And uh, he made a beautiful one-hour film about 
his own experience as a very devout Jew sort of feeling commanded by scripture to look at things and analyze the ethics of all things, even if they are the things you're commanded to do as a Jew. Mm. And uh, it's a really beautiful film in there. He wanted to really convey all sides of the circumcision issue. So he had me show him my four years worth of foreskin restoration progress uh, very explicitly on the screen. Yeah. And uh, in some of the early screenings of that, I, I recall he said that, you know, people who thought they were watching an informative show were suddenly staring at my dink, big as life. <laughs> and he had to produce an edit that didn't have it in there. And he hoped I wasn't offended. <laughs> well, you, it, feels, uh, it feels almost like if you're making bit. a documentary about circumcision, it's almost, you know, you got to show it, you know? I mean, you can't it. shrink from what the reality of this is. You're taking somebody's healthy, normal genitals and reducing them. Yeah. And so it's about genitals. It's about sex. I don't care how old the audience is. I mean, this is done to children most often in the US it's it's often done at family gatherings so don't tell me this isn't an all ages topic yeah, and yeah. also also too just like <clears throat> i feel like americans in general have such a weird boundary with nudity like arbitrarily in such a weird way where it's like in in that documentary it's not showing genitals in a way to like titillate or uh, not the least it's it's purely informative, but even still people get squeamish about it, which I, I think is pretty silly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that brings to mind actually a question. So you said that was in 2006, right? That initial documentary. So from, from your work with this, if you want to call it that, or like, just like your historical, like acumen, I guess, if that's an appropriate word here, how like much more, was it was significantly more primitive, like the work with the TLC Tugger and like your approach to like actually restor restoring foreskin? Like, has it advanced significantly since then in terms of like how you how you do this and approach this? Yeah, it was about that time, in fact, that I switched from uh, relying on a device that solely pulled on the skin to finally accepting that it might be possible to both push and pull to create the tension in the skin. Mm. Until that time, I had, in fact, uh, kind of condemned competing devices. Oh, you don't want to go with those. They push on the glands to create the tension on the inner, the, the skin that's rolled inward. I mean, I, somebody who's hearing this uh, has no idea how a device even attaches to the skin. So what we're talking about probably means nothing yet. But while you're tugging, Maybe some you of the skin. how the device works uh, yeah, yeah. for the uninitiated. Right. And I, I, I should hesitate to hold up props because... <laughs> The fact that you see a prop doesn't help the, the listener at all. Sure. But so I won't my props. We, we can put on the episode art. That's so big. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, so basically, in, in my view of how foreskin restoration works, I, we should start from the beginning. Circumcision takes away slack skin that belongs on the penis. Normally, a penis has a sleeve of slack skin that's lengthy enough so that it can roll past the tip, past the glands to enrobe the whole glands and then be slinked like a sleeve toward the base and bunch up there and back again. And this happens, you know, dozens, hundreds of times during a typical sexual encounter. It's a moving part that the penis has that circumcision takes away. So what we can do through foreskin restoration is tension the skin and cause it to grow longer. And it's the same sort of process you see like those guys doing the ear gauging, they're growing more ear. They're not stretching their ear thinner to create a big hole there. They're, they're, they're coaxing 
the body to produce more tissue. And that's what we're doing with, with skin expansion for the penis. And so uh, we, we, what we do, what I, what I chose to do is, is roll my skin up over the head of the penis onto this device I made. It's a conical little chunk of silicone rubber with a metal handle sticking out the end. So you roll your skin up over the edge of the glands onto this device that your glands is sort of poking into. And once the skin is on the outer surface of this conical thing, you place a conical shell, a separate piece against the skin, and it grips the skin against the inner piece. And then when you pull on that metal handle I mentioned, it just cinches even tighter. And it can, if, if you can't imagine why that would work, you, because they're not you know, connected parts of the same system, it's kind of like those Chinese finger handcuffs you may have gotten at the dime store when you were a kid. I mean, yeah, when I was yeah. a kid, they had dime stores. I don't know what they call them now. But um, Dollar anyway, ten stores. But yeah, the, the <laughs> it's it's bizarre. It's like this sleeve that's barely as big around as your fingers, and if if you pull your fingers away from each other sharply, it actually cinches tighter because it's made of spiraled, uh, woven wicker. And anyhow, kind of in the same way, when you pull on my tugging device, the outer gripping shell cinches against the skin and and causes it to grip better until until you pull so hard that you overcome the friction of your skin against the silicone rubber. But anyway, so you, you wear my device with gentle tension. I recommend 10 or 12 hours a day if you can stick it out, which is a real commitment. That means you got to probably be wearing it your nine to five to job, uh, or you got to be wearing it while you sleep. You got to get a lot of hours in there, an average of 70 hours a week. Now that's just a arbitrarily chosen number. If you tug half that time, you'll probably progress about half as fast. So I always wanted to recommend a number that would give people an encouraging amount of progress. Is there any danger to doing it too quickly? Uh, I think so. Too aggressively? Okay. Yeah, I think so. Uh, what we're trying to do is encourage a process that's already happening to happen a little faster. Mm. We lose, you, me, and everybody, lose about a, a million skin cells a day over our whole body. And those... Uh, they, they're, what they are is surface cells. Like if you look at your, your forearm and, and the skin might look a little chalky some days, that's because you got a bunch of cells that are about to slough off and fly away and become the dust in your house. Get on the keyboard. The yeah. soil in your environment or whatever. They're, they're, they're no longer going to be part of you. And those get replaced by skin cells from deeper down in the, in the matrix of, of skin. And deeper down, the cells are plump and juicy and round. But the ones that just sloughed off at the surface, those were flattened and dried out. It's the same cell, but at a different time in its life. Mm. So what we're trying to do is coax those deeper down cells to divide more often than the necessary background rate to just replace the lost cells. We want them to divide often enough to accumulate more net skin. And if you think about a, scale, a skin cell, say it's a, you know, Picture a grapefruit-sized model of a skin cell in front of your nose, and it's a sphere, and it's going to break into two skin cells that are now situated next to each other because it figured out how to divide after first replicating its nucleus. Now you got these two skin cells, and they have to take up roughly the space of the parent cell, we call it. These are the two daughters. The parent is gone. It no longer exists because now there's these two daughters. Well, those two daughters can exist side to side, front to back, top to bottom. They have to sort of 
arrive at an orientation with respect to each other and then go on becoming part of the matrix of skin cells. And what we do in restoring by having gentle tension applied to the skin is we, we bias the resulting orientations of all these skin cell divisions so that more of them occur in the long ways direction. So very slowly over a long amount of time, you get more length of your skin and maybe even less girth of your skin because absent any tugging, your skin replaces itself thickness wise and girth wise and stuff. But with tugging, some of those cell divisions that might have resulted in a girth wise pair of cells now has two cells that are lined up in the long ways orientation. So you can actually improve the shape of your skin tube by wearing uh, attention. It, that is to say, it can become less baggy, assuming you never use a device that's any wider than necessary. And assuming that you keep your skin rolled forward over the glands during all non-tugging hours in the shape that you want it to eventually be. Mm. What we know is that body parts that are constrained for many hours a day gradually conform to the shape of that constraint. And it's by the same process we're talking about. You lose cells, you replace cells. And every time a cell arises in your body, now I got more cells, it has to decide how to, how to live, how to, how to fit into the shape of things. And it does, it takes on a shape that minimizes the latent stresses. So by having some tension in the skin, even a very passive amount of tension when we're not tugging, we're just retaining, we call it, uh, you gradually coax the skin to take on the shape that you desire. And you can see dramatic examples of this body shaping. If you, if you Google uh, from a century ago in, in China, they would bind women's feet. I was just thinking about that when you were talking about And these about all sad <laughs> victims of foot binding for culture and fashion can show you photos of their, in my frame, you know, hideous, disfigured feet. You know, yeah, they oops. literally, they would break the bones and stuff to help these feet still yeah. fit into the, the shoes. But you can also see that not just the bones, but the soft tissue gradually conform to the shape of the shoe. And it's the same process that we're exploiting. So we tension the skin, we grow it longer, and uh, eventually you've got enough skin so that it's a slinky sleeve of skin that can behave very much in the same way a natural foreskin would. It, it glides and it allows a frictionless mode of stimulation during intimacy. And also it lives over the glands, covering the head of the penis all hours of the day so that that part of you is never exposed to the drying effects of air and the mm. abrasion from your bedding or your clothes. And so the glands, uh, the, the, the way that surface responds is when it's been abused, roughed up, dried out, it keeps a thicker layer of those surface cells, the flat, dry ones. And uh, by keeping it covered all the time, somehow the body responds to that by getting rid of those surface cells and not replacing them with more flattened cells, but instead letting them let that flattened dried surface cell layer be closer to the juicy layer, the juice, juicy part of the skin. That is to say by tugging, uh, we don't necessarily replicate nerve endings, any specialized nerve endings, uh, which you'd say, well, those were lost when the foreskin was cut away. I wish I could get those back. We cannot cause the specialized nerve structures to regenerate, but we can make the ones that are left work better because the surface of the skin is no longer this multi-cell thickness of dried out flattened cells. Instead, it's as few cells as you can get away with of the dried flattened type that are kind of stiff and create 
a boundary. And, and so the nerve endings are in a situation where they can more readily respond to the light, light touch stimuli that your surfaces experience because the surface that they're part of is more supple and responsive. So restoring not only gives you back the slinky gliding mode of stimulation, it improves the light touch sensation in the penis. So you get closer to what uh, nature seems to have designed our bodies to experience. Um, lots of nerve cells and structures are lost forever. And that's sad. And I try to not to fixate on those. I just like the fact that sex is better than it was before. Yeah. Yeah. So, are, okay. are, are there, uh, Oh, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Are there, so other than, I was actually about to ask you that question that you just answered, but are there like adjacent health benefits to kind of pseudo restoring the foreskin that you're aware of? Uh, I mean, mental health is, is health, you know, your mind is your part of your body. And, um, and so for people to say, I've taken control of my body, I've undone to an extent possible, something that was done to me, not at my request, you know, that that's, that's a big boost to mental health. People say, I, I, I have agency now, I'm, I'm, I'm in charge. And also you get a more natural appearance, depending on where you live, a more normal appearance, like in the UK, a circumcised person is quite rare. So we have a lot of people who just restore because they were ashamed of the way they looked when they're strutting around in locker rooms in school. And uh, so you get that that benefit of being normal again and, and taking charge and, and I don't know, living well is your revenge. You've, you've gotten your revenge on your cutter by, by being the best you can be. <laughs> those goddamn doctors. I don't yeah, trust those them. Cir the, the circumcision doctors, they all have names and addresses and you can find them. You know? <laughs> I, you know, I, I wrote to my, my circumciser when I was uh, undertaking restoration. I said, you know, the person who needs to know about this is, is the guy who cut me. I, sh yeah. I should write a letter and explain what I'm up to. And uh, he's he's long dead, you know, and that, that's that's part of the travesty. Were you, were you, you know? responsible for that in any way? No, <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. Uh, I hunted that fellow down. No, um, the funny thing is, in in the in the office where he cut me, there is another guy with the same name who is also a doctor. It's his son, but he's like a chiropractor or something, not a pediatrician. Oh. And. Um, yeah, my mom carried me to that guy's office when I was three weeks old, having changed three weeks of diapers and whatever, and and seen my dink and seen that it looked like my dad's. He's uh, still intact. Oh, that's that's strange. Because usually, what I've, said, what I've always heard is that it's a lot of fathers. Well, a lot of they'll do what they have. You know, they will yeah. insist on if they're circumcised, they'll have their son circumcised. If not, they're not. So that's kind of it's kind of. Interesting. Oh, it, it freaks me the fuck out. I got to tell you <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that my dad would, I mean, back then dads weren't as involved, you know, you, yeah. you have this cartoon image of them all waiting outside some place with, you know, ready to hand out cigars uh -huh. while their, their wife was inside the thing with the stranger trying to deliver their child. So, so dads weren't as involved. It was 1962. And, and so the fact that I think, um, my dad's older brother already had three sons and they live just across the street from us. Um, I really believe it's because the brother's dad, my uncle Lair's dad talked, his doctor talked his family into circumcising those three boys. And I think to match them was, so, was probably more the motivation than, than worried about whether I matched my dad or not. So the, the, the history of it, I'm kind of interested in because obviously we mentioned like it's, has its roots in, in Judaism and like it goes yeah, back how into did it, like Old how Testament. Did it get so like prevalent? Yeah. How yeah. did it kind of extend into I mean you basically know everyone I know? The, no, the I, answer I to that say, is it go ahead. 
Oh no, just that my mom was under the impression that it's like it's just, if you have a foreskin, it's impossible to keep it clean. You're going to get infections. Yeah, she was propagandized into this in this environment. That's, and that's uh, really what my my mom uh, told me when I was like ten. Some friends uh, in the schoolyard had discovered uh, porn blowing in the wind and, and settled in the bushes or something. And then they found this beautiful porn and they're looking at cut and uncut guys. And we got to talking about it. And I come home to my mom and goes, mom, what's circumcision? I was circumcised. Wasn't I? Oh yeah. You should be so glad you were circumcised. Uh, it's just dirty to have the, the foreskin. Anyway, well, she didn't know shit because uh, when I finally asked her about, uh, how she felt about me restoring. I said, you know, you need to know that I'm restoring my foreskin to undo something that you let happen to me. <laughs> she goes, I don't understand. I thought your penis worked fine. You've got those beautiful children. You have that beautiful you know, penis. <laughs> Mom, uh, reproduction is, is only one of the many wonderful things I, I would want my penis to be capable of. You know, yeah. I have other ideas and, and those shouldn't, <laughs> my, my, op my options shouldn't have been closed off by you at my, at each three weeks for me. But anyway, um, the, uh, Gosh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, you asked me, was it ever prevalent? No, it was never prevalent. Yes, everybody you know is circumcised because you live in the United States. Right. It has 5 or 6% of the world's population. But among uh, the, the global population, 95% of the world's Christians do not circumcise babies. Hmm. Two-thirds of all the circumcised people on the planet are Muslims whose culture somehow has adopted circumcision, even though there's not a word about genital cutting for either gender in the Quran. Yeah. Um, so that leaves a small amount of people who are cut for, I guess, what you would call health or other cultural reasons. And uh, those reasons are all bullshit, uh, to be perfectly frank. But to, to say it's prevalent because you don't know anybody who was intact... It was never prevalent. It, it, you know, it's you know, ninety-nine point nine percent of all the males that ever lived since you know we started evolving into what we look like today uh, were intact. Yeah, and yeah. I guess my my my, my, my I guess I just that... yeah. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt again. I just meant that like whenever I was born, and then like amongst my peers, to me, it seemed like a very prevalent idea that you should like circumcise. Just very like you said very much based on like where I, I was born. It, yeah. It's and, like a, like, I think it's an American cultural thing, I think, yeah, which is like yeah. affected Americans perception of how this works compared to the rest of the world. Well, yeah. My, yeah, my, it, my it, best friend growing up who we were very close in age. So we were like babies together, toddlers and grew up <clears throat> his family. He's a first generation Greek immigrant and he was uncircumcised. And that only became like, known to us once we were old enough to realize that he was different and he had such a self uh he was so self-conscious about it um i remember he would talk about uh you know like if we were in <laughs> once we're in heaven uh or, or is everybody going to be circumcised am i going to be circumcised the big question no literally yeah, yeah he was like I, I would think quite the opposite that right you know, Jesus and every other circumcised person is probably reunited with their foreskin in, in your heaven. I don't know. It's your heaven. You worry about it. It's also, it's all, I, I found it, I grew up very religious and a lot of time spent like reading the Bible and it was always 
circumcision is such a big part of the Old Testament that as a young man is I found it very weird to hear so many sermons and lectures about circumcision and various people in the Bible. They would want to marry somebody and their father would say, oh, go bring me 200 foreskins of the Assyrians and you can marry my daughter. Um, yeah, that's a heinous story. We, 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 weave, the, weave them into a suit. <laughs> you yeah, want so his wedding ring yeah it's most definitely an old testament thing and um you know a lot of christians are of the the type that say no we we pretty much worry about the new testament the old testament law is done away by the sacrifice of jesus and all that it's like right so what you mean you don't you don't follow those 10 commandments anymore that's in the old testament yeah a lot of contradictions uh, but, in modern well, a lot of contradictions so <laughs> it turns out yeah all over the new all over the old testament what we call the torah uh, there are mentions of circumcising, and um, it's mainly Genesis 17 where that's spelled out. You and all your descendants and all your slaves and people you claim in battle will all be circumcised, and that's our covenant with you. The funny thing is, and I, I invite you and everybody to go read this, read Genesis 15. And it's the same, pretty much the same malarkey, but without any mention of circumcision. It's the same covenant you will have our covenant, blah, 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 generations forth. But uh, no mention of circumcision. It's almost like fallible humans rewrote the story and just added some new cultural relic mm -hmm. into it. Because who knows what reason. I'm not going to try and uh, apologize or explain why sure. somebody wanted to introduce circumcision. I, I, I tend to think the most likely explanation for circumcision that has uh, ar arisen independently all over the globe but never been prevalent. Uh, I think in local situations, a good reason it may have arisen is that somebody had an injury to their penis and they were in an important cultural role. And they said, well, everybody's got to have an injured penis then. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And it, it became popular for that reason. Another, another theory I've heard, uh, and you may like this one, you may say that makes plenty of sense. The is that, new circumcision. Is that if you think about the, um, the genital mutilation that occurs in various tribes all over Africa. Yeah, horrible stuff. Uh, you, you, we're, we're ignorant of that, surely. But what we, what we can imagine is that looking at the youthful body of, of someone you've just welcomed to your family, you say, uh-oh, look at those genitals. He's got something that almost looks like a sleeve invaginating his penis. Mm. And if he's got a sleeve, that's like a female part. Females have sleeves. Males have outies. Females have innies. Mm. So let's cut away that thing that looks like a sleeve. And for the same reason, you can imagine female genital mutilation starting with, with the full excision of the clitoris. You say, oh, well, that's a male-looking part. Mm. It's, you know, for superstitious reasons, I might think that it's a good idea to get rid of that male-looking part to ensure that my person grows up as a, a full female member of our little group here. Yeah. So there's all sorts of stupid, superstitious reasons you can imagine people would cook up to, to want to modify the body of children. But there's, there's just one fact, and I don't even think it's controversial, and that is diminishing the genitals of a healthy child is unethical. Informed adults can decide for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like if, if totally you're one of that. the rare cases of having phimosis or whatever it is where it's painful, you can Yeah, do we it. need to talk about phimosis because um, that is the most common excuse uh, – in, in the U.S., especially Western-trained doctors, and, and we export some of those to the Philippines and other places where circumcision is a little bit more popular, um, they will convince a family that they should either retract the infant-toddler-child 
foreskin for cleaning. Mm. Make sure he's cleaning under there. And if he can't retract his foreskin, surely he's going to be the opposite of clean. He's going to be dirty under there. And, and so they, they get the family to start fiddling with that foreskin. And sometimes they're causing, by trying to force the skin to roll back, injuries, scarring that will lead to tightness mm. of the foreskin. And guess what the actual legitimate medical solution for that might be? Circumcision. So they've caused circumcisions by being ignorant of normal foreskin function. Right. This is an important fact. I'm going to pause before I say it. Worldwide, the global average age at which a healthy normal boy first sees the whole head of his penis is 10.4 years. Hmm. So lots of boys never even see their glands until even older than that, right? That's the average. The foreskin is not meant by nature, if you can give nature motives, to, to retract at all in the child. It's there to protect hmm. the head of the penis until it's time for it to get busy and start interacting with the social <laughs> social world. Yeah. So yeah. And, and, it, and it normally that skin normally gradually becomes retractable and usually comfortably so due to the child's own curious manipulations. And they, those speed right up close to puberty. And so for most people by age 18, your skin is quite mobile and ready to go and ready to, to give you that slinky gliding massage, but also protect the glands when you're not erect. So uh, it, it, it'll do all those things if you just let it yeah. in you know, nearly all cases. There was a study in, I, I, in one of the Nordic countries, I can't remember if it was Sweden or Denmark, where um, they said, let's, let's look at the real uh, cases of, of circumcisions that were deemed medically necessary in our uh, medical records and, and study those. And they figured out that really only about one in 16,000 men would ever need a circumcision for a medical reason. One in 16,000. Yeah. That's why yeah, I know it's super rare and it is one of those, you hear people bring up famosas and things, but it is so, so rare. And like you were saying too, I have to imagine getting in there in using your grubby hands to mess with your infant's foreskin over and over and over again. You're using all sorts of bacteria and like you you're might, causing the problems that you think yeah, you're, you're going to cause the problems. Yeah. I was, um, this is a bit of a, digression but um are you familiar with the story of david uh david Rimmer or david reimer sadly i am quite intimately familiar with david and uh, his brother and uh just to uh, share with your audience these are two twin boys and th the family was told you know these days circumcision is all the thing so your family should probably let those boys be circumcised so they take them into the office and uh david is is put on the table and uh, they hook up a machine. Back then they were experimenting with, instead of just cutting the skin and then sort of smushing it together and bandaging it and hoping that it stops bleeding, to have fewer cases of excessive bleeding when, it, when it, a, a child gets home after a circumcision, they were going to cauterize the, the, the wound as they go. So David Reimer was circumcised with an electrocautery machine that cuts and cauterizes the wound at the same time. Yes, an experimental. Unfortunately, yeah. it was set to like elephant strength instead of infant strength. And it, in a second, in a puff of smoke, burned his penis damn near clean off. Oh, and so, Jesus. I've never heard of this. It's, it's yeah, horrible. David Rammer. Uh, the, the book about it is called As Nature Made Him. And I think there's a nice documentary that pretty much follows the book. 
so uh, what happened was his family got over their shock and they said, well, first of all, uh, I guess uh, let's just hold off on circumcising the other twin, shall we? So the <laughs> yeah. brother remained intact his whole life. Uh, you know, the reason that they had given to circumcise these babies, it looks like they got that phimosis. Their, their foreskins aren't retractable as infants. Well, we know that's bullshit. There's nobody's foreskin supposed to be retractable as an infant. So that was a, that was a lie and stupid. But anyway, so David is, is uh, missing his penis. And uh, there's a doctor named John Money. He's a psychiatrist. And he's been dabbling in this theory that our, our gender identity is, is plastic. That is something that can be formed due to our environment. It is not innate. So he says, I, I got the solution for this. When he hears about the case, he gets hold of this family, says, let's, let's, let's follow my plan. This is a, I, and this is my dream scenario because oh, it's no. twins. Oh, wait. So d- can, does he, sorry to cut you off. I think I do know this ahead. now. He gets yeah, I know raised that. as a girl, right? Is this yeah. what happens? Exactly. Yeah. The book is As Nature Made Him, The Boy Who Was Raised as a Girl is the subtitle. Yeah. So John Money is the doctor and he's just drooling at the chance to publish a 10-year-long study of this case to prove his theory that gender is malleable. And so he's got uh, poor David Reimer uh, wearing dresses and named Brenda, and the family is to never, ever divulge to him that he was ever a boy. And he's undergoing multiple surgeries to look more and more like a girl as he grows. They never explain to him why he and not his peers have to have genital surgery every few years. Yeah. <laughs> and, and money exposes uh, David to grown-up transgender people uh, and and... And as I understand it, I think, right? yeah, and pornography, and some of these grown-up people say, "Do you want to see how my body works?" And you know, this poor kid has to. You know, it's a rare case, and and you know, frankly, I'm not that hung up on like the bizarre exposure of an adult's nude body to a stranger child. I mean, in a rare case like this, maybe that is the best thing for the child to understand what a grown-up body is going to look like, and he eases his fears. But all that aside, the the whole theory was was bullshit and stupid because. Um, David, you know, rebelled against being a girl. He was a tomboy. Everybody knew he was male. He knew he was male. And uh, finally, at some point, he was acting so male that he was disruptive. And, and the, the, uh, the family had to tell him. And John Money was furious, of course. But uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, circumcision can go horrifically wrong. In this one case, it went so wrong that it wound up proving that, A, the famosis diagnosis was nonsense, and B, that... Uh, Gender is not necessarily malleable. It's it's something you either have or you don't have. But whatever it is, it should be your choice. And so, um, yeah, that's poor David Reimer. And uh, the postscript to this is he wound up uh, getting married, having a pretty happy family life, but nonetheless growing disillusioned with his fate and and why you know the gods would allow this to happen to him. And so he wound up uh, walking into a field with a shotgun and killing himself. It's just it's, and his oh, sorry, his brother who remained intact also ended his own life. Yeah, it's just. Like speak going back to these things are put on to people when they have no say in the matter is a huge like such a big factor. Like this one is especially egregious where the initial act itself was done obviously without consent from the little baby, and then being subjected to this quack doctor's uh like salivating at the idea to do basically what amounts to like Nazi uh, twin, yeah. uh, research. Yeah, exactly. Nazi twin experiments. And, and yeah, 
he he became rich and famous as a consequence. His right. book with sold, like you know, that. And, and that just galled <laughs> yeah. David. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. it's truly truly horrific. Um, but I want to. I'm so I'm curious. I know, I know we've been going here for a minute, but I'm curious about how you kind of got your start in how this became your your battle. How how circumcision became something that you were so passionate about to kind of make your mission. Yeah, well, I'm not only a TLC Tugger president, I'm also a client. Okay. That is to say, uh, I really got active in this because my own sexual experience by age 38 was clearly getting degraded year by year mm. at, at an accelerating rate, an alarming rate. Um, you know, when I was young, my 20s, I had always heard from, you know, the mythology of pop culture that yeah, guys who can last a good long time and give a woman a, a really uh, fulfilling, long-lasting experience are, are the heroes. And I was always very proud of my abilities. But it turns out I was it's because I wasn't feeling anything. It wasn't adding up to much. Mm. So uh, by the time I'd been married for 10 years, I will, I don't know how, how explicit this show gets, but um, oh, it's I will divulge. Explicit as you want to get. <laughs> I will divulge that in those 10 years, uh, my wife had tried in earnest to give me an orgasm with her mouth and it had never happened. Wow. And among other things that, that didn't add up to much. And, and so uh, finally on father's day in the year 2000, sounds like the future, but it's geez, <laughs> 23 years ago. Um, <laughs> father's day. Uh, she arranged for a romp in a romance hotel here in our town called the Sybaris suites with most of them with hot tubs and heart shaped beds and this kind of nonsense. Wow. And it was going to be a wonderful time, but gosh, that we stayed the whole night, the, the, the night before that is the first night when we checked in, it almost, you know, nothing happened for me. Hmm. It was the next morning I woke up all, you know, backed up what they call pr with prosthetic congestion <laughs> yeah. uh, popularly described as blue ball uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, finally was able to make something happen and, and, and that's what really got me started down my uh, road of researching things on the internet because i thought you know nature cannot be this cruel that in the most ideal surroundings with you know dipped strawberries and champagne and 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 beautiful music playing and a hot tub and all that, that it's not going to happen for me. So could you, could you I got to, to can you, could you finish uh, while masturbating? Uh, I suppose I'm, you know, I'm better at pleasing me than anybody. Sure. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah at, at around that time, it really was true. And I, I suppose it must've been after that a little bit that there were, you know, less than a handful of occasions where my wife and I would be having sex and it would be going for like an hour. She finally said, you know, are you going to be done anytime soon? Because you know, here I've had these five orgasms and it's quite enough for me, yeah, if you don't mind. Down Abbey's coming on. We got to wrap this yeah. up. <laughs> so um, there, there were less than a handful of occasions where I, I said, okay, that's, that's right. We can just stop. You know, I'm sure it'll happen next time. Hmm. And th that's called anorgasmia, if you're going to report it to your psychologist or whatever. Wow. And uh, so I was having a little bout of anorgasmia, like I say, less than five times. But it was enough times to me make me say, you know, this can only get worse, right? This isn't going to suddenly get better. So I started looking around on the internet and you find out that uh, if you look up penis sensitivity or something back then, you eventually get led to the fact that the foreskin is where most of the nerve endings are and that that slinky gliding mode of stimulation is what re feels really good. Even during masturbation, it's like way, way better than just either dry friction from your own skin or, or lubricated uh, friction. And um, 
I mean, one of the first things I encountered was this gif, or do you say jif, of <laughs> somebody just stroking their penis by moving their skin up the shaft and over the glands and then back down. And it was exactly one cycle of that motion, but repeated because it's a gif file. Right. And so I saw this guy getting this massage from his own slinky sleeve of skin. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah, that's it. That's what I don't have. That's what, that's what my skin... That's what evolution has designed my skin to do right. at the behest of my wife's orifice. Uh -huh. her, her body is supposed to be doing that to me, not just uh, giving me like a friction experience or whatever. So mm -hmm. anyway, uh, it, it got me going and I, I discovered men restoring their foreskins at the time, mostly with tapes and weights. Okay. And did that and work? I actually, you know, I had heard about these tapes and weights years earlier, but kind of dismissed it yeah. because A, I wasn't having the symptoms as, dr as drastically yet. And B, it sounded like a big pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a guy who wrote a book. It's a beautiful book called The Joy of Uncircumcising. And his name is uh, Jim Bigelow. Wow. No, no related to, to Deuce. <laughs> no, no. But I've actually had the good fortune to meet Jim Bigelow. He's a sweet and wonderful man. Well, in 1995, it must have been, he, he released a second printing of his book, The Joy of Uncircumcising. So he did a round of radio interviews to promote it. And he was on in Chicago where the wonderful and hilarious Johnny B interviewed him over the phone. And I listened to that and, and, and he's telling Johnny B how he tapes and weights his penis and, and how now that he's restored his foreskin, sex is a whole lot better. And Johnny B hangs up and, and asks his sidekick, you know, would you ever do that? I mean, I, I, I can imagine sex being a little better, but I'm, I'm not going to hang a weight on it. Uh -huh. And the, the sidekick says, yeah, and couldn't he just wear a little hat? <laughs> and they had a good laugh. And, and I remember hearing that and thinking, yeah, really, somebody should invent that little hat. Yeah. And turns out it was me. Wow. But not until, you know, six or seven years later. So what did you, but, do you have like a, the way, the way you explained the entire process uh, very medically, do you have like a medical or engineering background? Like what is your background that allowed you to produce this device? I'm not a doctor and hopefully nobody at my web visiting my website is fooled into thinking I'm giving medical advice. I'm not, I'm yep. an engineer. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Who, uh, you know, in, entered this whole thing based on being, you know, a victim of forced genital, non-therapeutic genital cutting, and, and then being a, a person suffering from the symptom of, of lack of sensation. And uh, so as an engineer, and as somebody experienced in various fabrication technologies, my, my, my job at the time, um, I, I did most of my development of these devices was in a toothbrush factory. Mm. And when you're making a toothbrush, you're molding, you've seen a toothbrush that has two different kinds of plastic to it, like a hard kind and then a rubbery grippy kind. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're doing what they call insert molding and two-step molding. And it turns out that's what I needed to do to make the kind of device I wanted to make. So... I knew how I might accomplish that. And, you know, in a factory, you're doing it on big million ton presses and whatever. But in my basement, I was able to do it one at a time uh, and make a device within a couple of years of my own restoring. I was able to make these devices uh, reproducibly enough that I could offer them to the, I'll say strangers, but it was really a brotherhood of people at the time in what we uh, then was Yahoo Groups. Anybody remember using Yahoo yeah. Groups? Yeah, I was I was going to ask like how um, how niche or like if there was actually a culture back in like Web 1.0 for this sort of thing. Yeah, you know, as soon as I learned anything about restoring, my, my first efforts were with tape because devices were available at the time, but they were expensive. And I didn't want to be a sucker who paid for something that didn't work. 
So I wanted to test a little bit to convince myself that it might work. At the time, you could buy a tug ahoy made by Dr. Hoy. You could buy a recap easy. And I'm so sad that I can't remember the name of the person who offered that. His was a little cheaper. So that's the one I ordered and it never showed up. And when I inquired, I eventually got my money back from PayPal, but only like 90% for some reason. And um, eventually I heard from the guy. He says, oh, I'm so sorry. I was like literally out of business for a few months while I was relocating. Uh, what do you need? And I said, never mind. I started with tape. So for the first few months I did tape. And then I started tinkering with my own silicone device, uh, tapeless method. And uh, was using that, you know, and, and like I said, it took a couple of years before I had something I could really offer to other people. Is Arthur Gibson so, is the recap easy? That's right. I found Arthur it on your website uh, under competition. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how 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 much um, has this grown from your perspective? Not only in terms of sales, but, but the you're culture around it, the business. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, getting it down <laughs> to your ankles that'd be ideal. <laughs> yeah, when I you know when I started encountering these Thanks other men who that. wanted to restore. Um, I was taping and I was helping anybody who was curious about the process to understand it. And I, I was really eager to be a, an exponent to help in this movement to get men restoring their foreskins. Cause I felt like every, every new restorer is going to join the chorus shouting down circumcision, which I had decided by then was, was a horrific thing to do to anybody. Um, but, uh, when I finally was able to offer my device, I assumed that I'd sell to like the number of people that I was aware of in the Yahoo groups. And then that would be it. Those were all the guys that were interested in restoring. And I figured eh, this will be something I can do for a year or two, but it just grew and grew and grew 20, like about 20% volume increase every year for like at least the first 10 years. Wow. And um, there were some competitors even then, like I, those first two guys I told you about, but I don't think Arthur Gibson's making any devices anymore. I know Dr. Hoy died. Hmm. Oh, must be 10 years ago now. Not in um, a foreskin regoing accident or anything. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I, his health history is his story to tell, but yeah, he was, he was sick and died. So, um, but, but around since the time I started, there have been other competing devices, including one called the DTR, which is a very good device. And uh, he's still going. Mm. And now there are, I'd say a dozen really legitimate device makers offering stuff through mostly their own websites. One of them's on Etsy. He does incredible volume on Etsy. Oh, okay. That seems like And uh, <laughs> anyway, so it just grew and grew. Now, I think mainly due to the fact that there's all this competition, my volume has sort of leveled off. Mm. The most men we ever helped in a single year was 5,000 or so. Wow. And that was in 2020 during the lockdown. That makes sense. Oh. Yeah, you can stay at home yeah. all day and We saw a little out. spike, yeah. little spike of activity during the lockdown. Um, other things that boosted the demand for our products were my two appearances on Howard Stern. In 2008, I had just quit my job at the toothbrush factory. You know, I told my boss, listen, uh, you may not know this. Oh, that's right. I told you I've been moonlighting, uh, making these devices. Well, guess what? It's growing to be such a thing that I'm not getting any sleep. I'm really not doing my best work here in my day job. So I need, I'm going to have to quit sometime in the next few months. And I warned him about that. So I quit in June of 2008. And like the next day, it feels like I got a thing in the mail from the FDA. <laughs> what are you up to? You're selling non-medical cleared devices as medical. That was a whole ordeal. So some guy had quarreled with me on eBay about what are you selling? Is this a medically FDA, whatever? 
And I said, it's not FDA approved, but it works. We've got a money back guarantee, thousands of satisfied customers by this point. Well, he, he must've reported us to the FDA because they opened a file on us. Narc. And yeah. yeah, the FDA was, the guy I dealt with was very kind and compassionate and helpful. I said, listen, uh, no, I didn't get FDA clearance, uh, but the device works. We've got a money back guarantee, thousands of satisfied customers. He goes, listen, I believe you, but that's not how it works. Mm. It's not about me believing you. People do research and they prove to the FDA that it's safe and efficacious and whatever. This research tends to cost half a million dollars unless you can find a similar thing on the market that's so similar that will just clear your technology as a sort of a piggyback onto theirs. Huh. At the time, the closest thing was a, a breast enlargement product called Brava, which was these two plastic cups you sleep with over your boobs. And they, they it's got a little machine that sort of rests in your cleavage and, and vacuums out the space around your boobs. Does that uh, work? To keep the pressure just right. And it did work. Wow. They had, um, they had pictures on their website of like a, a woman who for some, uh, Bravo. what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, endocrinological, endocrinological, endocrinological reason developed no breast to speak of on one side and had a full size breast on the other. They showed her befores and afters and this thing was able to suck her missing breast to almost normal size. Wow. So it, it really did the job. Well, anyway, that, that didn't fly with the FDA. We found out right quick they weren't going to live with that. So um, he says, uh, you know what you can do? Even better than being FDA approved is FDA ignored. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so let, let's look over your website and we'll talk about what it is that you're claiming there that looks like a medical claim. Mm -hmm. And if you uh, just edit it down so that it no longer says, for example, we were saying, grows new skin cells, which is the truth of what's happening. Mm -hmm. He says, change that to something that doesn't sound like medical claims. I said, all right, we'll call it restores slack skin. Mm. He goes, yeah, that's perfect. Cause I don't know what the hell that means. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he, he, he looked at five of the pages at my website and, and we, we modified them and he looked again. He said, all right, I'm closing the file. You, you're no longer making medical claims. So since 2008, we are FDA ignored. Wow. And it was right after that, that I was listening to the Howard Stern show. And he says, uh, well, I don't know who's going to be crazy enough to do this, but we got George Takei coming in. He's going to get <laughs> married because it's now legal in California for him to marry his male you know, partner, Brad. And we're going to throw a bachelor party for him. And to celebrate, we're going to have a pretty penis contest. So anybody who wants to show off how pretty their penis is and see if they win the contest, well, call this number. It's really a great show. Yeah. And I, I called the number. I says, Hey, you need my penis because I've restored my foreskin. You won't see, there won't be another one like me in your contest. I was thinking thousands of men were, were competing to be part of this spectacle. And the guy calls me back and says, Hey, so I got your message about the penis. And it, I mean, you're, it sounds like you're a real freak then, huh? And I said, no, of course I'm not a freak. Circumcision is what's freaky. And I, I, and I sounded really earnest. I think that really got his attention because that's what they're looking for yeah. is people who really believe they're nonsense. Right, well, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was actually, as a fan of early Stern, at least, I was going to say, like, given what I've seen and know of the show, was would you say, like, was there a modicum of them taking you seriously or was it on just to kind of bait you for their audience to be entertained? Well, okay. So this was 2008, the Pretty Penis Contest. I show up. And there are six of us there. 
And the producer and the segment producer are sizing us up to say, geez, which of these guys should be in the thing? As if me having flown from Illinois uh-huh. <laughs> wasn't enough of a reason to put me in the segment. So it turns out I was never a lock to be in it you know, until I got there. But you flew out and on your own my Hell yeah. Oh, wow. That's yeah, Stern, awesome. Stern, Stern doesn't give a shit about any of the guests. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, yeah, none of the other people had flown. They, they all just walked over. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so there's six of us, and they finally say, okay, they, all six of them can be in it. Which And, and Gary Delabate explained to me that, you know, a lot of times they'll do something like this, and people will say they're coming and just not show up, or they'll get there and chicken out at the last minute. So they always book more people than they really plan to use. But the perfect number for any segment is three people, right? It's just comedy comes in three. So that's probably what they were hoping would happen, but they had all these six people willing to wave their dink and, and they just <laughs> let us all on. So I was in the Pretty Penis Contest. I was, uh, I think, last or second to last to show my stuff to George Takei. And when I dropped my drawers, voila, there's my foreskin restoration device oh. hanging from <laughs> the end of my penis. Genius marketing. Yeah, and uh, so Howard had a lot to say about it. George Takei was intrigued. Yeah, did, Artie Lang. Did he do the oh my? Said, uh, Artie Lang said he wanted a penis cone. Why not? Wow, and, he wanted um, to snort coke through it. <laughs> <laughs> so that that appearance really saved us. Because if you recall what was going on in the summer of 2008, that was, I think they called it the tech bubble had burst. Or maybe it was the housing yeah, bubble. It was, it was bubble. the housing crash, right? Some housing crash. Yeah, okay, yeah. call it a housing crash. Uh, had just had just really crashed, and so uh, we were hurting. Suddenly, people didn't have a lot of disposable income, and uh, we thought the demand is going to go down to nothing, and we'll have to get jobs as you know things that don't require as much preparation, like driving cabs and tending bars sure. and stuff. So, because um, we had just quit our day jobs in June, so this really uh, dug us out of a hole there. We saw immediate like twenty percent jump from that appearance. Oh, that's genius! And yeah. who, wow. Who's to say, you know, it would have ever come back or whether that bump has stayed with us or whether that immediately declined and we're up for other reasons since. Anyway, Um, and then um, three years after that, I heard the show talking about something foreskin related. And I said, you know, it's time to have me back on. (laughs) And and as a fan, I was able to cite to them in this letter that I wrote. Listen, the last really... A penis oriented, oriented thing you did was this many months ago. And I described it and I said, you know, it's about time. You can have another one. You'll get over it. <laughs> so it's time to have me on. And the reason I felt really entitled to make that pitch <coughs> is because by that time, my, my brand of device had become very popular and I had a huge online bulletin board system called, you know, you've heard of V bulletin is yeah, one of the ways old, you can have a bulletin old, board. Old message boards. Yeah. Yeah. Message board. So I had this huge message board with 20,000 members. And so the show Strange Sex, which was on the Learning Channel, which has since changed its name to just TLC because there's no learning going on. Uh, The Learning Channel showed Strange Sex found me and they said, hey, uh, could you maybe recommend which one of the people of your 20,000 members of your forum should be the guest on our show? We're going to cover this foreskin restoration. I said, right here, mate. I'm 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 your guy. (laughs) And, uh, and so they included me in their show, Strange Sex, season three, episode one, I believe it was. And um, because I had that appearance to plug, that is why I felt Howard Stern would take me seriously when I said, it's time to inter- interview me on mm-hmm. your show. And I really believe that is why they took me seriously. The funny thing is, I did that all on myself, all on my own. The show, Strange Sex, had a, a PR 
person whose job it was to get me radio interviews and stuff in advance of the season debut, they didn't do shit. Yeah. Um, I got Howard Stern show. It's like, why bother with anything else? Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. I told him, Hey, I got Howard Stern. You're not gonna believe it. Uh, do you want to pay for my plane ticket out? I said, no, no, that's, that's not worth it. We won't do that. that so we, we've never done that kind of stuff. So they didn't pay for it. And guess what happened? The whole half hour of talking to Howard Stern, we accidentally forgot to mention the TV show Strange Sex. <laughs> accidentally, huh? It never, never got its plug. And they didn't deserve one. Yeah, and what we mentioned was the fact that it was the week before something called Genital Integrity Awareness Week. Wow. It really is so as far as Howard was concerned, I was there promoting that, which was going to happen on the, on the West Lawn of the U.S. Capitol. We're going to go protest for a week and stuff and march to the White House. And so... Um, yeah, it's funny that Strange Sex never got their plug. Yeah, did you uh, deservedly so? Did you yeah. meet Beetlejuice? No, he wasn't there that day. Ugh, that would have been. I, would he would have been into it. Would have loved to have Beetlejuice regrow his foreskin. <laughs> you know, any, any number of their their staff or their wacky whack pack could try wearing at least our your skin cone. You know, we have the TLC Tugger. Yeah, I was gonna is pull, our main device. I'm pull up your website. You wrap your skin bit, around it. So we can look at it. You, you pull. You're, you pull on the metal handle with an elastic strap or you can hang a weight there. That's tugging on your foreskin. But we have a separate thing, which is retaining your skin over the glands when you're not tugging. Anybody, even non-foreskin restorers, should be wearing their existing skin retained over the glands 24-7 to keep the glands supple. Hmm. And this can even have the effect of shaping the skin into that foreskin shape over time if you did it long enough but um i see you're looking at my website for the tlc tugger page and there's a set of three pictures that are me dated uh the the one that shows the most progress is 42 months of tugging yeah but the middle one there is kind of what your skin looks like when you're not tugging you're just wearing the retaining cone that's as if the cone was an invisible force field instead of a physical object. Okay. So that's what your skin would look like held in place. So to describe that to people who are only listening, it's just the, the shaft skin of the penis sort of forced to roll forward to cover both the corona of the glands and most of the body of the glands, and then to be held there in a very puckered up shape, uh, like a natural foreskin. Mm. So anybody, even most circum, like about 90% of circumcised guys have enough slack to wear the your skin cone to keep their, their skin over the glands. And I, just doing that, I wouldn't autom all, already call you a foreskin restorer. You are just a glands protector at that point. You're a retainer. It's like and a so class in an RPG game. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Without making a commitment to growing your foreskin back, you could be doing that just to improve the sort of the delicious uh, sensitivity of your glands and the, the skin that's facing in toward the glands while you wear it. So uh, that's something everybody should be doing. So what is the TLC Air? Uh, Air is a, a sort of a, a recent innovation. Okay. It's really uh, only been popular for about 10 years. And I mean, it's not even that. I don't know. A lot of people that do it, I suppose. Probably these, these newly emerging brands all promote their Air version mm. first. Uh, I, I, I'm not a big fan of Air. What happens is to use Air, you... You roll your skin onto a tugging device, just like I've described, but instead of pulling on it with a strap, you force air inside the space inside the foreskin so that it puffs out. Oh. And so you're stretching the skin. You're inducing skin growth through the tension on the skin of it's just being like 
the inflated containment, you know? Gotcha. Um, okay. Imagine if you're a balloon, but you were human skin, you would grow into a bigger balloon just from all that pressure on you all the time. Gotcha. So um, air is about pressurizing the space inside the foreskin to make the skin grow. And that does achieve long ways growth, but I think it also achieves a lot of girth-wise growth. And who knows, maybe some thickness-wise growth, I'm not sure. Um, so I'm not a big fan of that. I, I feel you, if you're going to use air, you have to be very careful to always wear the same part of your skin tube gripped at the skinniest part of the device that you're using. That is, you want this one part of your skin to always be held skinny and never stretched so that it can become, when you're all done, the sort of the pucker point, the, the end of the foreskin. Gotcha. Even as the rest of the skin might get puffy and baggy, at least you'll have this one puckered up point. So air users, if they're not taking care to tug exactly the same zone of skin as the pucker point every single time, they're going to wind up with a generally baggy foreskin. And I feel bad for them because that's not how natural foreskins work. Well, you know, ni 90s fashion's coming back. It's like baggier clothes, baggier <laughs> yeah. foreskin. You know, maybe it's, <laughs> totally. you know, it's going to be kind of... Totally. <laughs> and and with, with the number of guys restoring this way, surely it's going to be, you know, prevalent uh, to, to have a, a baggy restored foreskin. But if, if you look at people who've used my device, including me, they tend to have neat, naturally puckered looking outcomes. Gotcha. Are these all you, all the pictures on the website? Uh, there's not a single picture of anybody else nice. on my website. Smart. Yeah. Uh, we're going to hire a model. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I was saying Beetlejuice. <laughs> Get Beetlejuice on there. Can need some work. Yeah. Uh, when, you know, when I was on for my second appearance, the one where they interviewed me for a half hour, I tried to cajole the goofiest staffers, Richard and Sal, into trying my device or at least the Your Skin Cone. And they just wouldn't get anywhere near it to save their life. They're just too afraid that it's going to do something to wreck their penis. Uh -huh. They wouldn't even let me explain why it wouldn't wreck the penis. They just, you know, were fleeing the building sure. to, to avoid <laughs> looking at my device. It was really short-sighted of them because uh, Richard, I know, is circumcised. And um, I mean, Howard Stern, he has said, is, I mean, I, I'm just Howard Stern is, is circumcised <laughs> for, for reasons of his family's Judaism. Yeah. Richard was circumcised due to the ignorance of the American medical yeah, establishment accident. in Kansas. And um, Richard has said in the past that he almost never finishes, to use the colloquialism, uh, when he's having intercourse with his wife, he never finishes inside. What he does is pull out and jerk off on her back to be crude about uh, it. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's, a very, is, is that's his, a very unfulfilling sex life. <laughs> that's that's his typical mode. Well, he's the guy that the Your Skin Cone is made for. He could be so much more ticklish and supple and sensitive if he wore his skin over the glands, protecting that glands and any, you know, any skin between the corona of the glands and the circumcision scar in a typical guy that's like a half inch to an inch, if you've been circumcised at birth, of, of this, it's a different kind of skin. It's not actually... Uh, dermis like we have elsewhere on our body that has follicles and stuff it's muc mucous membrane like it, it is surviving foreskin yeah, yeah yeah is what it is mm -hmm. and so when you wear the your skin cone you not only rejuvenate the glands itself but you rejuvenate that surviving inner foreskin because it's worn rolled forward in contact with the glands so the glands protects the skin the skin protects the glands at the same time so if this richard was was uh, willing to put on this your skin cone uh, he'd have a better sexual experience. Uh, and if he ever decided, oh, I've gotten too ticklish, too sensitive, I'm finishing in an instant, 
okay, stop wearing it and start scrubbing your penis with, you know, harsh soaps. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> take a shower. You'll get back to dull and dry in no time. Honestly, uh, honestly that's better. Who, who wants to last more than two minutes? That's just not fun. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> what, is, what is this, my job? Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I, uh, I was skeptical. So I actually, it's funny. Um, my, I thought my first introduction to you was your episode on how to with John Wilson, but what I, what a fun time that was. I'm curious. I want to ask a little bit more about that, but I actually learned that a friend of mine had been using the TLC tugger for what, for like yeah. a long time before that episode even came up. We were like watching it and he was like, Oh, I use that. <laughs> how wild. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, this is well, maybe I'm, uh, the, the seed of the seed of a potential interest in me has been planted. I'm thinking about it, but I'm curious yeah. a little bit about your experience. I know we're at an hour here, but, um, I don't want to take too much of your time, but I'm curious about, you can have all my time. If you have to cut into two episodes, that's oh, fine. perfect. Well, with, uh, John Wilson, how did, if I'm, if I remember the episode correctly, it's, it was the one where he's covering his furniture with plastic. Is that the right episode? Yep. And so he is just walking on the street and comes across an anti-circumcision like display. Is that right? Yeah. Well, let me say this. Um, When John Wilson showed up at my house to film me, uh, he handed me a non-disclosure agreement. And I signed it without reading it, of course, because I was eager to be part of his thing, (laughs) Uh no, no matter what it meant. And so if I say anything about being filmed for documentaries, let's just say it applies to some, any old documentaries. I've been in several. So I'm not, I'm not divulging anything about the John Wilson experience as far as you know. Of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So ask me your question. (laughs) 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 Oh, now I need it. Let me, let me phrase this. Um, was, or I can just talk. You can, you know what? How about you just talk? Cause I can, I can sit here and try to come up with a question, but how about you just talk about the experience? Yeah, what a great time. I, you know, what happened was you, you described it pretty well. John Wilson is compiling footage for an episode of his show, and he encounters somebody who, I'm, who I know named Anthony uh, in New York. He's got his truck parked near Washington Park in, in, uh, in New York. And, and the truck, to describe it, it's, it's, it's what's called a billboard truck. It has no purpose as a vehicle to haul freight or anything. It's only there to be a big site on which you can display a message, a banner, a, a billboard, basically. Yeah. And so he, he, he bought and outfitted this thing with museum quality exhibits about circumcision and how horrifying it is. Yeah. And the banner, the big billboard thing on the side changes from time to time. And he's got like scrolling lettering like you see in Times Square. The, the, the LED dot matrix kind of look that scrolls yeah. um, across the top of the thing. And he pulls out these exhibits. So once he parks, he's got like these kiosks <laughs> you can walk up to, to learn more about specific topics. So one of them is the baby about to be circumcised strapped to a board called the circumstraint. And that's its brand name. It, it's a sort of got a recess in it shaped like a baby. And then Velcro straps to hold the baby's arms and legs so it can't buck or kick yeah. while you're trying to cut the most sensitive part, sensitive part of his yeah, body. I don't like that. And so, and, and the baby is a, is a very lifelike looking doll with a very uh, specially made lifelike looking penis with actual circumcision tools clamped to the skin in the fashion in which they are used in circumcision. It's bloody horrifying to look yeah, at. Yeah, and yeah, he yeah. explains to anybody who walks by when he parks this truck, uh, what happened to them and, and how horrifying it was to have it done. Anyway, 
So John Wilson encounters this guy. And in the course of him talking about it, he says, and some men restore their foreskins. You should talk to my friend Ron in Chicago. So they called me and arranged to, to meet me here. You know, it wasn't just an accident that he was driving down streets until he found my house. I mean, it was arranged. There's, there can be no mistake about that. So uh, he gets in, I sign the thing, and then he starts filming. And um, we spent a lot, you know, my segment of the show is, I don't know, three to five minutes. Yeah. We spent the whole day together. Mm. Well. So for him to get the really juicy, good stuff, the funny stuff that you see in the show yeah. is, is him looking at what he shot all day and deciding what was the good stuff. You know, comedy happens in the editing. It's what you leave out that makes something funny. Yeah, it's you talking about so, the Matrix uh, on the bed naked with your foreskin. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so exactly. So he, he asked me about how I make the devices and how I got started and this kind of thing. And finally, he's like, well, so you're going to show me how the device works. So on the show, you see me drop my pants and show them how you attach my, my newest thing. It's a, it's a weighted device. And uh, so I'm showing that. And, and then I said, I also have a brand new thing nobody has seen before where you, you hook a, a cord to the device and then you run a pulley <laughs> uh, on your headboard. You run the cord through a pulley so the weight's hanging below the floor uh -huh. behind the bed. And so there I am with my dick and a pulley <laughs> and he's got his camera rolling and he has the ingenious uh notion to start asking me innocuous questions yeah it's very funny unrelated to my <laughs> my predicament of, of having my dick in a bullet and that's what makes that scene so funny and the reason it worked is because it was the last thing we did that day mm. um he had been asking me questions all day long and i'm mic'd up and i'm you know you, you've gotten to know me for an hour now you know how talkative i can yeah, be no, yeah, yeah. and so so i'm busy answering questions earnestly he'll you know he, he saw my my little display it's like a shrine to our dead pet uh -huh. he says uh, oh there's, is this your pet I, yeah she's dead so he says is it ethical to keep pets and now he's got me yammering away about the ethics of and and so when he says to me while my dick's in the pulley uh seen any good movies lately I think he probably thought I would pick up on the fact that he was joking. Uh, I didn't think of it as a joke at all. I, I puzzled for a minute. And I said, oh, gosh, what's that one I just saw? And I give him a, a quick little one-line review of the movie I just saw. The, the review was, it was a perfect tale of virtue and vice. <laughs> and the movie was Knives Out. And you may remember that the sort of the person with the lowest social standing in that cast was the sort of the housekeeper slash personal assistant, whatever she was. Yeah. And she winds up sort of victorious over all those evil ass people. Right. And uh, so it was a perfect tale of virtue and vice. Unfortunately, on TV, you see me say, yeah, Parasite. <laughs> I just saw Parasite. Uh -huh. I, I, I named the wrong title for the movie I was thinking of. Oh, so I'm describing Parasite, which is all vice. There's nobody virtuous <laughs> yeah, in that whole yeah, fucking yeah. story. <laughs> uh, as the perfect tale of virtue and vice. So I look like an idiot, but that's all right. <laughs> So well, you got to correct uh, the record here. That, that's what's important. So as a, and I know we're getting close, but as a fellow Chicagoan, do you guys have a actual brick and mortar store that I could come by? Please do not. All right, I'll be, <laughs> no. I'll be there. <laughs> we, um, we maintain a website and we're an online business that serves the global market. Uh, if you come to my house, you're intruding on my family's life because we operate this business out of our home 
the, the production happens in the basement, the shipping happens in the first floor office. And, you know, every once in a while, somebody I know from some whatever, I, there's the, the, for example, the National Organization of Restoring Men has chapters. Mm. And I'm uh, good friends with the director of the Chicago chapter. And if he needs another device, he'll call me and say, hey, can I just come fetch it? And there's no problem. I'm welcome, my friend. We'll have a meal, you know, while he's, while he's around. But uh, in general, no, we do not welcome the public to come by and, you know, get get their dick married or anything like that. <laughs> hey, I, uh, I didn't say that. Home. Maybe yeah, I just wanted to, to grab grab some Portillo's <laughs> with you. Who knows? For everyone listening, go to, <laughs> go to Harris's house for that. He, that's yeah, yeah, that's, my, that's what my place is for. We'll measure that up. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, we'll probably wrap up here, but thanks so much for, for joining us, Ron. Uh, I think, you know, I'm, I'm interested. I'm going to peek around. What should, what would, if I'm going to get I'm one, feeling what pretty should sold. I, what should I start with? So yeah, if you have a penis that you wish delivered more sensation to you, if your partner thinks that your penis might work better for them, if it had some slinky gliding sleeve of skin on it, instead of just all friction, like being, you know, poked with a dowel. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, then you should consider restoring your foreskin. Start with the Your Skin Cone. Okay. You wear that to keep your surviving skin over the head of your penis 24-7. If you're a tugger, you're going to tug 10 or 12 hours a day. But during your non-tugging hours, you'll wear that Your Skin Cone. And then to actually start your tugging, if you have enough slack, you can start with our fancy device called the TLC-X. That's the one that allows you to use pushing action. So the tension is derived from the fact that the device expands after you put it on. Um, or you can use straps or weights with that one also. But if you don't have quite enough slack to where you can force your skin over the head of the, head of the penis and pinch it closed comfortably, then you should probably start with the simpler, lower profile TLC tugger, our first device. And that one is, is easier to wear for people who have a little less slack. And that's really... I. The, the the progress and results pictures on my website are me, and I mostly use that device. I only had the fancy one for the last few months mm. uh, before I stopped tugging altogether in 2006. Well, I might, uh, you know, I might check it out. Um, I'm, I'm I'm curious. Uh, I uh, yeah, I, I think I'm I'm put off a little bit by just the the hassle, maybe. But if it really is something that in just in a matter of months can impact my life, in no, such a way. don't say months. Don't say years. Mars. Years. Years. Be realistic. It's going to take years. It yeah. took me five years. Uh, on my website, you see a picture from three and a half years okay. that's mm-hmm. dated. And then those other pictures that show like how to apply the device and stuff, those are all, uh, some of them as late as 2015, uh, years after I stopped tugging. But um, anyway, it's going to take years. It's not something you do in just a few months, but you can get back some new sensation mm-hmm. in a few weeks or months just by wearing that Your Skin Cone. But the slinking and gliding sleeve of skin that looks and fools doctors and whatever, you know, because it looks like a foreskin, that takes years, unfortunately, for most circumcised guys. Yeah. Well, well I mean, good, couple, you know what they years. say, uh, good things are worth waiting for. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Now, I noticed you guys all have facial hair. Yes. I'd like to leave you with a thought experiment. Okay. I'm very curious. <laughs> I've, just developed, I've just developed a new drug. Okay. I've, I've done a half million dollars worth of studies to prove that it's harmless. All it does I'll take it. is you give it to your infant one time and they will grow to be a person who never has to shave their face. They grow no facial hair. Why wouldn't you do that for your, your precious child to give them that gift? It only works if you give it to them as an infant. What, so, yeah. what, so uh, No chance. But, no chance yeah. for me. But wait, what, exactly, because it's their body well, and their choice. My holy book and that's says a, having a beard that's, is uh, disgusting, <laughs> you know. 
And to me, you know, that's such a obvious, you would never do that. You'd never make that choice for another person. Yeah. And it's a harmless thing you're imposing on them. And yet we still couldn't conscience doing it. Why the fuck are we cutting the genitals of healthy people? Hell, brother. hell yeah. Let, yeah, let, the, I, let our dicks have beards. I can't, I can't wait to get a new <laughs> kitten and give it that. So it has no hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ron, yeah. I appreciate you for coming on so much. And so it's tlctugger.com. Uh, I'm going to get one, I think. I think I might sure. get one. Um, and uh, I, yeah, once again, thanks for coming on. It's been great. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for the, we thanks stand for at the ready to make your device to, to your measurements. Yeah, perfect. Well, thank okay. you so much. Very nice. Yeah. Oh, and just stay on for just a second because it has to yeah. save. Let yeah. me uh, stop <laughs> the thing here. Yeah. We, okay. <laughs> because there's. Here's your new baby and he's perfect as can be Let's hope his life is not too rough Why give his genitals cosmetic surgery? He seems quite well endowed But what guy has enough? I wish my parents had defied conformity Preserved my pleasure part so I could feel it glide that amputation won't prevent an STD And infants aren't at risk Why steal my right to decide? I don't want much, just want my foreskin back again No, it's not TMI, I shared it cause we're friends My parents chose this road, but I'll choose where it ends Don't I deserve it all? Gonna grow it back again Grow it back again, yeah Fix me. It's gonna take some time, but I can grow an inch a year. That's not so fast. The new skin will last. So go ahead and laugh at the tugger I strap on every night to undo superstition. Try to supersede my rights Whoop it up Your sick I'm victim won't remember a thing Except to denied him All the joy that love should bring Two million more mutilations every year You and you and you Let it die Let the last victim try To grow it back again Grow it back again, yeah You talk Bill Gates out of a few hard-earned simoleons To do a so-called study where you cut some Africans Now it's still clear that condoms are the best form of prevention Now that you failed, who will heal those angry men? I'm gonna tug and grow my foreskin back again No, it's not TMI, I shared it cause we're friends My parents chose this road, but I'll choose where it ends Don't I deserve it all? 
gonna grow it back again Grow it back again, yeah Grow it back again, yeah. Grow it back again, yeah.